Bodega, 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 Alpha and Omega. <coughs> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing about a serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah, let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, that one? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled by Mushu Pork Pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, you know what's doing? ready this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. So it finally happened. The AMD king of all desktop CPUs did launch. It is officially out. The benchmarks are out. We'll talk more about that down the road. For now, however, I want to talk about how things are in the Google world. Because that'll be fun and exciting, right? Well, here's an update to one, or rather the reemergence of one. The Google Photos app has had a bug recently, which caused it to send private videos to the wrong people entirely. Oh boy. So (laughs) what would happen is that using Google Photos, if you stored a video you meant to send to someone... It could just randomly set it off to completely unrelated users. Now, this only happened under certain conditions. The person who was getting it had to actively try to get it. It was using a different bug at the same time. So theoretically, it is possible right now for a malicious attacker to try and download videos from Google Photos and through the Google Takeout service. The bug as of right now, from what I'm aware of, has been fixed. At least that's what Google says. No word if all of the loopholes involving this thing have been patched as of yet. It is, of course, going to be something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, see if it reemerges, because we recently just talked about another Google bug, didn't we? Chat's wondering Google Takeout. No, it the Google Takeout was, in fact, a service that lets you download archived Google data. And that was apparently part of the exploit to get information from others, including private videos from Google Photo. And that's the thing. I'm gonna I mean, I'm I mean, they say it's fixed. I don't believe them because we just had something like this a couple weeks ago. Uh, 
What are you going to do? Speaking of Google, YouTube is going to be killing off its old design and introducing its new one, which I'm not going to lie. Google has revamped their layout so often I have completely forgotten which is the old one, which is the new one, and I guess either way, it doesn't matter, because I have no say in the matter. I will say this. The Creator Studio, for uploading videos and whatnot, granted, it's been a while since I've uploaded stuff to YouTube, since Remder's been out of commission for months now. Remder being my video editing server, but... That's irrelevant. I remember the actual interface, so it's just being awful. Like certain things you just couldn't do anymore. And like the absolute setup I had before of just like, oh, you could have a whole bunch of tabs open. That is killed. And now I've got to go through it one by one by one. No easy way to actually set up a whole bunch of videos. And well... I guess that's life now. Yay. Can you tell I'm not enthusiastic about this? I don't think anyone's enthusiastic about this. Can you name one person who is happy about the Google it? Oh, actually, here's a better answer. Has anyone ever been happy about a YouTube redesign? Ever. There you go. Someone in the chat says the new design is not bad for the viewers. And that might be the case, actually. This might be the one time that actually the viewers, it's fine. But for us who actually use it on the back end, it's just an absolute nightmare. I know uh, Linus Sebastian from Linus Tech Tips has come out adamantly against the new creator dashboard just because certain key features especially for live streaming on youtube it has been an absolute nightmare like basic information like stream quality is just missing or even an up-to-date number on how many viewers are there is just missing i can't vouch for that i don't stream on youtube but if that is the case, whoo! I mean, I don't know why he would lie about that sort of thing. So I kind of got to go with it. Google Fiber is killing its traditional TV services for new customers. So Google Fiber, if you somehow don't know, is out and available in a handful of cities. I wish it would be more like where I am, please, oh, please, oh, please. But currently now, Google is not expanding the service at all, but it brings one gigabit internet to the home. It also gave traditional cable TV channels. Well, Google Fiber is killing that last part about offering... An option to give cable TV channels. That's going away. I'm sure there's someone out there who is going to be greatly disappointed by this. I don't know who that person is. 
Like, can can you guys in the chat think of anyone? Yeah, so far, chat could care less. No real surprise there. Especially since for the... I mean, I doubt there is a single person listening to me right now that is actually in a city where Google Fiber is. Yeah. No one here in chat has it, by the looks of it. In any case, oh well. I don't think too many people are going to miss it. Google Chrome is soon going to be able to give us the option to skip video ads the same way you can skip video ads in YouTube. This is going to be a function built into the browser so that ads that are over a certain amount of length, after five seconds, you can just skip it. So for the average user, this sounds incredible. Use Google Chrome and you can avoid some really annoying video ads. As someone who is a bit more tech savvy, I'm kind of putting my elbow down on the table here. Resting against my fist going. But how even? Like, how is that going to work for video ads that are not powered by Google? I have accidentally triggered my phone. Oh, my Lord. First, I'm tripping off every single... Amazon Echo I have here. Now I'm tripping off my phone assistant. I might just be... Oh my god! (laughs) I thought I... Oh, whatever. I tripped another Echo Dot. Uh, I'm so glad we're using this newer mic that is more isolating and you can't hear any of that, but now it just makes me sound crazy. I don't know why I use these digital assistants. Like, they're okay, they're okay, like, 10% of the time. They're like, oh, that's really nice. And the other 90%, it's me just going... You know what else annoys me? The fact that that uh, Chrome is completely killing off Flash. Like, it's not essential anymore. Don't get me wrong. Adobe Flash is clearly a relic of the past. And it is, in fact, a big problem that it still exists in a minor form because it, it continues to have exploits being discovered about it. Not unlike an old Intel chip. And unfortunately, unlike an Intel chip, Adobe doesn't really keep on top of patching all these big security vulnerabilities. But the problem is that it getting rid of it kills the ability for us to view a lot of internet history. Before the dawn of YouTube, there were sites like Newgrounds or Albino Black Sheep that had plenty of Flash-based videos that really became iconic 
in the ways of internet entertainment. And those sort of files will no longer be viewable unless you go and make a custom box and have those flash files on hand for viewing, which I totally don't yet. Fortunately, though, Flashpoint is, in fact, going through and archiving thousands of these old Flash games and videos. Which, you know, for the internet nostalgia nerds like myself, is really a... It's nice. It's just nice. And I'm glad that someone out there is doing it. I'm still keeping keeping a hold of the hard drive that has all my old flashes on it. I'm just saying. We're going to shift gears radically to the space of graphic cards. We've been talking a little bit about what's being referred to as Big Navi, a.k.a. the RX 5800 and possibly the RX 5900 and how the rumored Big Navi GPUs could in fact rival and maybe, just maybe, surpass the RTX 2080. Which, honestly, would be a really good thing because NVIDIA has been sitting up there at the top unopposed for way too long. There's just one problem. Rumors are also saying that we're only about a month away from seeing next-generation RTX cards. So what does this all mean? This means first off, I don't we're not going to know for sure how powerful these cards are going to be going to be for a couple of weeks. Big Navi is supposed to be in 2 weeks according to the rumors and next gen Nvidia is coming out in 4 weeks supposedly. This does mean, however, if you are planning to build a high-end gaming computer, wait. Just wait. Because big new cards are coming, and hopefully, underline, hopefully, they will end up being cheaper. I have a hard time imagining... AMD trying to go more expensive than NVIDIA? Odds are it's going to be more powerful and cheaper. Probably going to introduce hardware-based ray tracing. That's what the rumors ha- that's what the previous rumors have been saying. This one doesn't mention ray tracing at all. Past ones did talk about it, and it would make sense, seeing as how both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X? Is that the stupid name that they're calling it? I don't remember. I really don't care. Look, I'm sorry, but Microsoft, your naming sucks. 
I know this has nothing to do with. I know this story has nothing to do with Microsoft. That naming still bothers me. Because Series X just sounds like what like all the pro Xboxes should have been called. Uh, someone in the chat is asking, don't consoles use RDNA 2? Navi is RDNA 1, right? I am honestly not sure. I could look that up during the break. But for now, all I can tell you is if you are planning to build a big freaking gaming computer, waiting might be the best idea. Now, if you're in a situation like me, where you're looking at your old streaming setup and going, man, that thing is, that thing needs an upgrade or a replacement. I seriously doubt anything's going to happen GPU-wise with what I would consider the ideal streaming card that being the gtx 1650 super like nothing's gonna happen down at that price point nothing that's still good to go in my opinion anyway that being said let's shift over to a launch that already happened and is uh not looking good We've talked about the Motorola Razor, which is the folding phone from Motorola that limits all that uh, take. Um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Takes design from the old school Motorola Razor flip phone. When it's folded, it's a perfect square. When it's unfolded, it is the size of a normal smartphone. Well, there have been some broken in-store demos already. Take that for what it's worth for. On top of that, CNET has used a machine to discover that the Motorola Razor stops being able to fold after 27,000 folds, which sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot. But if you use the, uh, if you start doing the math, 27,000 folds, according to CNET, would be roughly checking your phone 80 times a day for a year. So this would put the lifespan of the Motorola Razor. Between a year and a year and a half. And then it stops folding. Considering most smartphones, you try to make them last at least two years, because that's when the old upgrade cycle was. This is really bad. And that is not the kind of info that Motorola needs. Chat thinks 80 times a day is a kind of heavy, and it might be. The aver- That's just what the statistics CNET puts out. 
I could see 80 times a day. I could also see someone be like, oh, yeah, I'm only going to check it 10 times a day. And then go next day. It's just like, oh, I'm waiting for my mother. I'm waiting for my mother. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting to hear from family. When is family going to get a hold of me? No. I would also argue that, okay, yeah, 27,000 folds. Maybe that'll last you a year. The problem is that you know you're going to use up the first 10,000 folds. The moment you get the phones, you're going to be like, <laughs> it folds. It folded again. You're, you're going to be like doing it a lot, like the first week, just on the the novelty factor alone. And then, of course, um, in typical fashion, uh, Jerry rig everything. A YouTuber who goes around and tortures smartphones for a living to an extreme degree. It didn't take him much to kill the Motorola Razor. The screen is just as fragile as it was on the fold. Scratching just from your fingernail alone and putting permanent damage into it. Bending it the wrong way pretty much kills the phone instantly. No real surprise there. The other thing that was kind of surprising, the screen lifts out when you fold. It lifts out of the body and creates a gap between the screen and the rest of the phone at the hinge to prevent a crease from being formed in the screen. Hey, what happens when something gets under there? Like dust, sand, dirt, a penny. All right, it might not be big enough for a penny. I'm sorry, this thing looks, and you, you know, here's the best part, because chat's right now talking about the the... The Sam the Samsung Galaxy Fold. This thing actually might be more fragile than the Galaxy Fold. The Galaxy Fold, at the very least, didn't have the screen lift out of the body when folding. It stayed in there. The Galaxy Fold's problem was two. One... There is a gap in the hinge where, where stuff can get in. So you have a similar problem to this one. But the screen didn't flex at all, so it's going to be harder for stuff to get under there. But also, two, the fragility of the screen itself. Like, so far, oddly enough, the Galaxy Fold, which is an infamous fragile phone, of all the folding phones so far, is the most durable and I still wouldn't recommend it for, you know, an average user. Like, at all. Shifting gears quite a bit, Facebook and LinkedIn are demanding the company Clearview to stop <laughs> stealing images from their services to use for facial recognition. I am more amused by this story than I should be. Clearview, being a company that's trying to develop facial recognition, is using public photos on LinkedIn and Facebook to develop their facial recognition software. 
here's the thing that amuses me with this. They're public images. Here's my question. What's stopping them? Are, are, I mean, are, Facebook, are you saying that pictures that you have shouldn't be used for things that you didn't intend to? Wow. That's a great concept. Hey, Facebook, could you stop selling my pictures? And of course, you know why they're doing this. LinkedIn, I don't know what their motives are other than being LinkedIn. But Facebook themselves, you know they're working on facial recognition. Oh, wait, no. They have admitted they're working on facial recognition. They don't want their competition here using their stuff to go compete with them directly. Literally the only reason. I should also mention that... uh, Twitter and YouTube both have also said, hey, quit it. Facebook, though, complaining amuses me far, far more. EA has decided that playing nice with Steam was uh, was going to be short-lived. So EA returned all of their games to Steam, which is good. I actually should go and quickly get um, uh, Dead Space 3 because I really didn't want to get it on Origin, especially since on EA's Origin platform, the handle Eagle Falcon is considered a forbidden word. And I am still really salty about that. But I digress. EA, however, has decided that even though they put all their games on Steam... They decided, you know, we're just going to go ahead and jack up the prices. Some of the prices have been increased by up to double outside of the U.S. So fortunately here in the U.S., we're still good, but games like the example here given by PC Gamer is SimCity 4 Deluxe Edition now costs 18 euros, whereas before, or is that pounds? I always get the two symbols mixed up, and I com- and I totally apologize to those across the pond for not being able to tell the difference between the universal European cu- currency and Doctor Who money. It's pounds. Okay, it's Doctor Who money. Got it. Also, apologies for that joke, too. Um, So, originally, it was nine pounds. Now, it's 18 Thanks. Thanks for that. It is speculated that because EA recently lost a judgment against, I believe it was Germany, regarding uh, loot boxes, that this is why the prices went up. Because they had to take out their loot boxes, which by far right now is the biggest money-making engine that EA has at their disposal they decided, well, we're going to crank up our prices to help make up for that since we have to take out loot boxes. On one hand, it comes off as petty. 
On the other hand, I would much rather pay $20 for a game than pay $10 and have half the game be unlocked via freaking loot boxes. (sighs) Chat's telling me that EA lost in a bunch of other countries too. That's quite possible. I know they lost in Germany because we talked about that either last week or the week before. Or maybe it was this week. No, it wasn't this week. Otherwise, it'd be in my stack right now. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the AMD CPU that is more of a statement than an actual intentional product. You went online to switch your car insurance to Progressive so you could save money. But then you saw a friend request from an old summer camp buddy. And now here you are, clicking through photos of his kickball team from 2011. Hmm, looks like they won the championship that year. Then he moved to Tulsa. Oh, a new tattoo. Yes, they said it was easy to save hundreds on car insurance with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average savings by new customer surveyed who saved in 2019. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, <laughs> remember BlackBerry? Yeah, good times. Unfortunately, um, any hope for future BlackBerry phones could be ending as BlackBerry's partnership with TCL is coming to an end. TCL has been making blackberry's phones as far as i'm aware and then they've been putting android on and blackberry's been putting their custom software on it since blackberry's blackberry's pretty much known for two things one security and two keyboards i actually still kind of miss my old droid keyboard Like, how many of you actually still remember the old droid? It was like a normal uh, three and a half to four inch phone, depending on your version. You'd slide, you'd slide up, the screen would slide up. It would reveal a keyboard, a physical keyboard underneath. I actually ran a whole lot of emulators on, on that. You could use the keyboard as physical buttons for the, for the emulators. It was good times. Good times. Well, those days are long gone for starters. And the entire concept of keyboards on phones might be vanishing altogether. It's This is, of course, going to be something we're going to be keeping an eye on. Could this be the end of BlackBerry as a whole? We will find out next time on Smartphone Ball Z. We have gotten official word out of Nintendo that all of those rumors that you heard about there being a Switch Pro coming out later this year is a lie. There is no Switch Pro. There is not going to be an upgraded Switch Pro. 
or a, or any kind of new Switch. Nintendo has, in fact, come out and said, no, we are not planning on releasing a new Switch. So shut up and buy Switches. They didn't say that last part, but it's heavily implied. So there you go. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be the Switch, and it's going to be the Switch Lite. I would not be surprised, however, if there was a, quote, new Nintendo Switch next holiday. Not this upcoming one, but the next one. Like, that's kind of in the Nintendo wheelhouse, right? They did that with the 3DS, where they basically launched the 3DS again except put new in front of it and added a ThinkPad style track point on it as another joystick and gave it a little extra hardware and then developers made a grand total of four games that took advantage of the higher end hardware and everything else just didn't lag on it. You think I'm kidding, but I'm really not. Actually, I think I still have one of the uh, the new 3DSs still in my lab that I haven't finished uh, trying to modify for capture. I have so many side projects. Dang. Intel is trying to go out of its way to ensure everyone and everyone that wants to pretend that Intel still has relevance. I take that back. Intel actually is still very, very relevant. I don't know where I'm going with this, but the point is, is that there is a Core i9-10900K, which is super awkward to say, showing up in the 3D Mark database with a 5.1 gigahertz clock. I'm sorry, clock, I mean boost. The new 10,900K is supposedly, according to the 3D Mark database, a 10-core CPU with 20 threads, able to turbo boost up to 5.1 gigahertz, and unfortunately, as far as we're aware, is still going to be a... 14 nanometer based process. Although if we want to take the listing very realistically, uh, Intel has surpassed all other manufacturing processes. And in fact, has made this the first zero nanometer process. And a, and with a miraculous wattage draw of only zero Watts. I'm not going to lie, but if those specs are real, which they're not, it obviously is just an error in the database. This is a game changer. The first invisible (laughs) manufacturing process CPU that consumes no, no power. Ladies and gentlemen, we have figured out how (laughs) we have figured out how Google's negative latency is going to work. It's going to work. With, with, with these specs. 
<laughs> okay, obviously some some of the stuff that showed up there is just read errors. Obviously, it's not going to be a zero watt part. It's not going to be a zero nanometer process. And odds are it is not a one physical to 20 logical processors. My God, if there really were 20 threads to one physical core, could you imagine how many security vulnerabilities there'd be? Hyper-threading already, which is the process that, which is the name of the feature that Intel has to make two logical threads out of one physical core. Could you imagine if there were 20 threads per core? We'd never hear the end of it. Meanwhile, while Intel is working on their next refresh, 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 refresh processor that will keep them in the game, but not quite overtake AMD, AMD has released the processor we've talked about for a while, the over-the-top, hilarious overkill, the you-physically-cannot-use-everything-this-processor-has-available-to-you Threadripper. 3990X. You can now buy it, and the benchmarks are staggering. But there are a couple problems with this chip. One, it's a $4,000 chip. I want it, but it's 64 cores for four grand. There's no way I'm going to ever use it. Like, I personally... Let's pretend I went and th- and made a system around this chip and used it for streaming. I would never be able to use half of this CPU. There's just no way. Mostly because OBS is limited to, what, 16 cores, I think? I think that's the limit of OBS, or maybe it's 18. Either way, it's a number far lower than 64! <laughs> Another limitation that most most applications cannot even take take control of the processor since there is a limitation built within Windows where most applications cannot comprehend or hope to be able to use more than 32 cores at a time. Chat is telling me it's 18 threads for 720 or 27 threads for 1080. And 36 threads for 1440. Keep in mind, chat mentioned threads. This is a 64 core processor. And unlike Intel's mythical unicorn infinite power chip, that has 20 threads to each core that we know is an error, but we're going to make fun of for a while anyway. Each of those has two threads per core, which by the way, when you have 64 cores, just disable whatever the heck, it, whatever the heck uh, AMD calls hyper threading. I know AMD doesn't call it hyper-threading. They call it something else, but it's basically hyper-threading. 
Because there's no point for it. You have 64 cores. Do you really want more threads? No. <laughs> no, you don't. Just disable it. It's just like, why? There's just no point. Oh. However, as some people in chat were pointing out, there is one huge flaw to this besides the NUMA node limitation, and that's referring to only be able to comprehend 32 cores at a time. It's the memory limitation. The Threadripper parts... Oh, chat's w- wanting me to, st- to state out. I'm assuming ch- chat is very penguin-friendly. That uh, that's a limitation on Windows, not on Linux. All hail your penguin overlords. But I digress. One of the other limitations of the Threadripper part is the memory. It cannot use most server memory. It can handle ECC. But it cannot handle load-reduced DIMMs or buffered DIMMs. This puts the Threadripper's memory limitation to 256 gigs. Now, for the purposes of my fictional... 28k streaming workstation that I totally have the money for because I am a filthy billionaire with a small loan of a million dollars. Totally. That's a real thing. That's not a, that's not a big deal. That's more than enough Ram for a stupid use case like that. For animation, for CAD, for, for other workstation uses, this is a huge limitation. And honestly, I would dare say, considering the fact that the only competition the Threadripper 3990X has is the Intel Xeon W line, which does support the, this kind of server, mem- these sort of high volume DIMMs, it's kind of silly. And yeah, chat's pointing out, oh yeah, they they did it so that Epic would be the better choice. Epic would be more usable for those kind of applications. But the thing here's the thing. I would argue against that. Epic has its place. The Epic processors are clearly going to be used for either A data center applications or B supercomputers which are data center applications so basically just data center applications they're going to be in server racks they have their place you don't need to keep it so that the epic processor has a niche for the workstation market When push comes to shove, if I was AMD, 
since we live in a world where workstation applications do benefit both from high clock speeds and high core counts, let the Threadripper shine with the high RAM amounts. Really push Dell, Lenovo, HP to make an AMD version of the Precision Workstation, to make an AMD version of the Z Series Workstation, to make an AMD version of whatever the heck Lenovo has for their workstations that no one buys because Lenovo has no idea how to spec out workstations to save their life. You laugh at me, but I kid you not. I literally could not make a machine to compete against the Mac Pro on Lenovo's site. It was embarrassing. Now, for the high-end workstations, Epic would still be there just because of the dual socket support. HP and Dell both will still make dual socket workstations, despite the fact there is no point to it. I don't know. When push comes to shove, it's still a great product for what it's for. And in the end, it's going to do very well. But I said that there that this product is more about making a statement. Here's the thing. There are a couple of tech outlets out there and I already forgot the name of one of them and I wish I kept the tab around but I didn't because I'm a fool that was talking about how AMD blew their chance to overtake Intel. I'll tell you this much. That is a stupid statement. It was Market Watch. Thank you. Market Watch, they might be the dumbest people out there and are completely oblivious to how the professional computer market works. The average consumer, actually, not just the average consumer, any normal consumer will only upgrade their system when they need to. Even prosumers will just upgrade their stuff when they feel like it. The professional market? Oh, no. They will only upgrade their stuff when a handful of conditions have been met. One of the following. One, when none of the stuff works. If they have a whole bunch of computers that have suddenly failed, then they'll look at replacing all the ones, or if they have a bad batch. Two, when there's a huge development that requires them to go upgrade their stuff, which, to be perfectly honest, in the computer world, despite the fact that AMD now has a 64-core processor, still is not the case. Or three, and this is the key one, 
every two years for their base in the field units or every six years for their server room gear. Almost every company out there when it comes to computers lease their stuff. And I have seen it go in and out on a cycle. Up, oh, it's an even number year. Well, that bank's now all of a sudden getting all new desktops and monitors. It's obvious. Some of them even go on a four-year cycle. Data centers, though, is every six years. The point of Threadripper was to put it out there to say, we have the most overkill chip ever. So that when that six-year cycle comes up, And the manager of that data center goes, which system do we upgrade to to make sure that we have a smooth migration? And to also then, and only then, I kid you not, only at that point do they start looking at price performance. It's then that they look at, do we switch vendors? Do we swap out all our Dell servers for HPs because HP has better power efficiency? The thing is, is that they don't look at Xeon versus Opteron or now Epic. They only look at it when it's time to upgrade. The point of having this Threadripper PC, though, is to let everyone know we have a 64-core chip. Because here, I'm willing to bet right now, if I were to go into, I'll pick a, let me pick a random streamer's Discord channel at complete random. I'm actually not going to do that right now. But let's pretend I pick one that I know is full of gamers that that aren't tech nerds like me or you. And I mention... Who has the most powerful CPU? Until this processor existed, they would probably still still say AMD because of the 16-core desktop chip. But the fact that now this exists, and now the overwhelming majority of people out there know that AMD has a 64-core chip that is actually intended for the average user, even though the average user is not going to dump four grand on it, that mindshare is more important. That's the point of this chip. It is a big billboard. There you go. That's my thought behind the chip. It's not actually for everyone to use. Although a lot of people will use it, and a lot of people who absolutely torture 228-core Xeons are going to be happy as heck 
cut their power consumption in half using one sixty four chip and go, oh, everything will be amazing. Speaking of everything being amazing, you remember when Google said that Stadia was just going to make everything amazing? Well, guess what? NVIDIA decided we're going to make GeForce Now actually available. GeForce Now has been in beta, I think, since 1828. And people have been testing it since before the Roaring Twenties to see how well it works. Well, now in the year 2020, over 200 years later, by the way, I'm exaggerating for those who couldn't tell, it is now available for everyone to use. And everyone I've talked to so far absolutely loves it. I unfortunately have not had a chance to test it yet. I have actually been super busy right now between... uh, prepping for the upcoming convention and whatnot and also still getting into my current new job but i digress i haven't had a chance to actually test this with say probably my dual core 12 inch would actually be the ideal candidate i should make that a stream one day Ooh. But everything I've heard so far has been great. GeForce Now, instead of being just like Stadia in requiring you to buy all your games a second time, will instead use your existing PC gaming libraries on Steam, on Uplay, and on other such outlets. There's a list somewhere here. I am too lazy to pull it up, despite the fact I am scrolling through to see if there is a convenient list on NVIDIA's blog site. I don't have it, actually. But in any case, I don't know how well it works on low-end internet connections. That actually would be a great experiment. Try it first on my home internet here, which is pretty good, and then try it on my cell phone network. Oh, man, so many good ideas for testing it. Check it. Make sure sure you're uh, following me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon, because we're going to be doing that. At some point soon, TM. But everything about this says it is going to be great. It is going to be available for $5 a month. For 5 bucks, I'll take a look. Also, you will have the ability to support ray tracing. Unfortunately, I don't have any games that have ray tracing. Shifting gears radically with no good transition... There is evidence in the latest macOS beta that Apple may, in fact, finally come to the conclusion that, hey, those AMD CPUs that, you know, are actually really good, maybe we should use those. And lo and behold, there is information in the latest macOS beta that suggests that they'll be using... A, the Picasso, I'm sorry, using the Picasso, Renoir, and Van Gogh APUs, which unfortunately means absolutely nothing to me because I did not keep tabs 
on AMD's internal code names. So, the unfortunate thing, though, is the fact that because these are all APUs, it means these are most likely going to be only available in the Mac laptops, Mac minis, and the base iMacs. So if you were hoping for that killer 64-core monster Mac Pro that would cost as much as your house, that is still at least going to wait another year. Now, I also want to state, there was evidence of Apple supporting Intel in their macOS betas three years before Apple actually announced and started the real transition from PowerPC to Intel way back in the dark ages. Which actually to Apple users would be the golden era since, I'm not going to lie, Macs were so much cooler back then. What, you don't believe me? Look up those Macs. Literally a couple of screws, you're in the machine and you can replace basic components. You could replace the batteries back then. There was no glue. One flick of a lever and bam, you're inside your your Mac tower. And the tray was on the door. It was so simple. And now they glue everything shut. What happened, Apple? What happened? At least, though, Apple is now offering the ability for customers within certain areas to just have a technician come out to your your place and just fix your Mac. Though, it is unfortunately only available for businesses... Oh, no, I'm sorry, at home or office. So, yes, for both home users and for professional users, there's, of course, going to be an additional charge for that sort of thing. And also, more than likely, you are still going to be waiting a week because, of course, Apple doesn't keep parts on site. They have to order the part. Because, you know, doing that thing like I do where I've got on a shelf in my server room spare power supplies, spare hard drives already in the racks, or their caddies, so that if a hard drive dies, we can literally have the machine back up and running in literally a matter of seconds. No, that's, that's too complicated. That's crazy. That's crazy. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, the death of some of the classic Windows applications and Ford making an emoji jacket. Oh, it's it's going to be good. 
The thing about comparing rates at Progressive.com is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about comparing rates at Progressive.com. We probably don't even need the words comparing rates anymore to remind you that seasoning steaks at Progressive.com is an easy way to save on car insurance. Or that swimming in trousers helps you find the lowest rate. And that's the thing about foraging for truffles. You've heard a lot of ads about standing tiptoe on a cinder block. Compare rates and <clears throat> sing softly to a wounded field mouse and save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. You gotta give it to uh, some companies that want to just push the boundaries of what tech can do. I give you the Pivo book from Compal, or is it Compal? I don't know which, which one it is, but the point is, you gotta give them credit for a screen that swivels in a base to either the normal landscape that you expect out of a laptop to portrait. Yes, you too can have a portrait laptop. You know, oddly enough, last year me would probably make fun of this. But personally, and this is going to sound weird, when I actually had to set up my office at work, now that I actually have an office, which is still weird, by the way, I actually did, from home here, grab two two of my spare screens that were supposed to go to a dentist's office, but then they backed out of the deal, and I was really annoyed by that. But I digress. I actually did go and have one consistently in portrait mode which has been amazing for bookkeeping cuz whenever they cuz whenever a company sends a big check that's for like 3 dozen invoices it has been amazing just to put that list on the portrait one and then on the landscape one just go through Mark the invoices complete, 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 complete. It has been great. And I, for one, welcome this laptop design, despite the fact that this is going to be a laptop that is going that is going to be used by maybe one half of a percent of the laptop market. What I'm more interested in, however, is the full vision laptop design, which is not a real thing yet, that on their swivel panel allows you to just add a second screen and then orientate those however you wish. I'm not going to lie. I am very much into multi-screening. But then again, if I also had my way, I would have like six monitor arms coming off my desk and look like I have a battle station from the Matrix. And more than likely, that would just be a hilarious misuse of screens. 
Whisk and the New Zealand government have given a firm handshake to trial a self-flying taxi. You heard me. An airplane that is completely self-flying for short-distance travel. And much like me, you too thought, wow, that sounds really super cool. Holy cow. Let's go do, wait, wait. Oh, oh no. It's kind of one of those things that the moment you start thinking about it, it sounds horrifying. Now, keep in, now, chat is pointing out, most airplanes fly on autopilot anyway, and that's true. However, I would like to point out, and Tesla would also like to point out, autopilot just maintains course and altitude. It does not actually do things like avoid a storm. Chat saying I'm hilariously wrong on this. Autopilot nowadays can land and take off. Wait, why do we have pilots then? Heck, okay, so the tech industry has been saying the trucker's job is in jeopardy. How the heck is the pilot's job not in jeopardy? Lobby. Oh, my Lord. All right, that's that's making me slightly upset. This entire thing is dumb. All right, flying taxis. That's going to be interesting. You know what's also interesting? Windows 10 decided... That all the classics we have known since at least Windows 95. I'm going to say Windows 95 because I don't know if WordPad was in 3.1. Notepad was. I don't know about WordPad. Actually, WordPad might not have been until Windows 98. When was WordPad introduced? Anyway... Notepad, Paint, and WordPad in the next Windows update is going to be considered optional. They will not be pre-installed, and you've got to go and install them yourselves. Honestly, that's not the worst thing in the world. It's... I mean, okay, you, you, you still want WordPad, you still want basic Paint... Fine, go download them, whatever. Here's my question. Why? Why remove it? It literally takes up, like, no space. 
like, okay, we were talking about the mythical Intel CPU that takes up no wattage. I'm pretty sure if you combine the total amount of disk space, notepad, paint, and wordpad take up, it actually does add up to zero. Like, I would legitly believe that. Yeah, chat actually brings up a good point. Can we make Candy Crush an optional install? I am still furious about that. That still bothers me to no end that one of my freaking steps for restoring a system has to include uninstalling Candy Crush. Why? I can't do basic cropping or picture resizing without having to go download paint or an app that does it better than paint. But I got to uh, I got to install I got to uninstall Candy Crush every single freaking time. Priorities Microsoft. Priorities. I wonder how much Who the heck actually owns Candy Crush? I actually forgot. Is it King? Oh my god, if it's King then Ooh, we're going to shift gears before I get angry because this is going down the blizzard rabbit hole again. West Virginia is going to allow people with disabilities to vote by smartphones. Now, here's the funny thing. This story originally came out on the second. So it came out last Sunday. Okay. And my thought at the time was, you know, that's a good idea, but someone's going to go out there and hack this and abuse it to no end. And then Monday happened. (laughs) If you don't know, first off, congratulations. But second, on Monday here in the U.S., was the first of the presidential primaries. The Democratic caucus in Iowa suffered so many technical problems and was so mishandled by the people who organized it that we didn't have the results of that caucus Until, and I kid you not, Thursday evening. The normal old ways, which in the, which for a caucus is usually done by counting raised hands by hand, write it down on paper, and then tallying them up with a calculator. At least that's how it was described to me. I'm willing to bet they had a better system than that in place. Or, in the case of an actual election, is involved using scantrons and filling in an oval or connecting an arrow. We would have those results the same day. Only several hours later, up to 12 hours later, in the case of some of the smaller counties. Oh, boy. (laughs) Without getting too political in this, I'll just put it 
I'll just put it out like this. I, d- I don't want this to become a political discussion, like, at all. I rip other tech outlets for going political. But I'll just say this. If West Virginia decides to do this, which on paper, not the worst idea in the world, you better make sure that this is tested so hard that there is a insignificant margin of error. All right, now that we've risked the entire conversation going political, let's talk about Ford and their really silly emoji jacket. That actually is a good idea, but is not going to be used for a good idea whatsoever. Chat's wondering what my what an insignificant margin of error is. And I would say a I mean, my definition would be like less than 1%. But then again, the UK decided that 80% was considered acceptable. So, I mean... I have no words to describe the amount of rage that is currently building up. Let's talk about emoji jackets. Ford has decided to make a jacket for cyclists. Now, oddly enough, for whatever reason... This jacket is marketed to show the emotions of the cyclist, to displace things like smiley faces or or a caution sign or things like that. And um, here's my question. Why the heck isn't this used for just basic traffic signals? Like, real talk, why isn't there, like, any sort of integration between this and the bike? Which, granted, was probably the original function. To, like, show an arrow. If you're in, if you, like, flick a lever to say you're turning. Or, like, when you hit the, the handbrake to show, like, the exclamation mark. But instead, no, it's just going to show emojis. Uh, so close, Ford. So close. Now, granted, I'm willing to bet those things I just described are going to be revealed when Ford reveals their new e-bike or something of that nature. Because that seems, to me, that's the obvious course of action for this, is for turn signals and braking and that sort of thing. Because at least out in my neck of the woods, I don't know about yours, but cyclists here... They forgot everything they learned in, like, first grade about how to behave around the road. They give no hand signals for when they're about to turn. They veer out of the bike lane that that not even the cyclists use to just go into oncoming traffic. They ignore stop signs. It's just horrible. Yeah, right on the wrong side of the road. That one I see all the bloody time. We have one guy in the chat who says that cyclists know what the heck they're doing. Everyone else has been basically nodding. So first off, that one guy in the chat, 
bravo, bravo for your community knowing how to road. Bravo. Bravo. For everyone else, I feel for you. Dyson has come up with a brilliant idea of building headphones that also have a air purifier in them. Okay, that sounds kind of cool on paper, right? You wear headphones, it cleans the air around you. If you're in a weird environment where it just smells odd. But here's the problem. The device has two bands. It has one thick band that goes over the top of your head. Which is where the normal headband would be. And then it has another band as thick as the headband. Basically a second headband that goes over where your mouth is. And that's where the purified air is expelled. Now look, I have lived a hard time at school, all right? I was always the nerdy kid. I was an antisocial kind of guy. I was very timid. And it's and it's only been like in my young adulthood that I finally got over a lot of that, all right? I, I've been bullied all the time grow, growing up. It, it was actually kind of a bad time. I'm not going to lie. I would make fun of someone using these. Sorry, I would. Part of me is just like, how could you not? Someone in the chat has given us a picture of a model in uh, in FF14 that has a odd metal chin guard and saying this is how it would look in real life. <laughs> I cannot argue that. Uh... Now, granted, this is a patent. And also the patent describes this as being a more effective germ-killing method than flu masks. So maybe, maybe this could be a modern solution to the fashion statement over in the Eastern world of wearing flu masks, which... Granted, is a very tragic popular fashion statement in China where the coronavirus has been ravaging the country. This could be a good solution for that. I don't know, though. Someone in the chat is saying this device is going to kill at goth rave communities. I'll let you know if I see anything like that when I'm at the anime convention here in town this next weekend. And other things I never thought I'd see. We have a startup, Skyrora, which I have mispronounced most likely, has successfully tested a 3D printed rocket. Which, oddly enough, uses recycled plastic waste as its fuel. 
Now, longtime listeners of this know I am not the biggest advocate for quote-unquote renewable technologies. In fact, a lot of it I kind of laugh at and also laugh at places like Gizmodo who literally worship at the altar of anything renewable to the point where they crown a plant burger as the best technology and electronic device at the electronics show and completely ignore everything else at CES to stumble over themselves to award the best in show to a water filter that can't even make water potable. That being said, using plastic waste as fuel, that's actually fascinating. I'm very curious if there's any downside to it. Would there be a, a weird smell to it? I mean, we all know as burning plastic as being one of the worst smells ever. In fact, as a computer technician, the smell of burning plastic gives me nightmares. In fact, actually, the broken remains of my Remder server still smell like burning plastic. Rest in peace. Render server. So I myself am curious how effective is this? Are there any harmful gases that are put off this? Someone in the chat thinks that they are breaking down the plastic and using its components as the fuel. And that's possible. I don't know. More than likely, and maybe it actually says in this article, and I just haven't read it enough to find out. Oh, here we go. The f- from the article from TechCrush, TechCrush, TechCrunch, Skyrora says it can create 600 kilograms, that's 1,300 pounds, of kerosene from 1,000 kilograms, or that's 2.2 tons, of plastic waste and its fuel results in around 45% less greenhouse gas emissions. I would like to know what those greenhouse gases are because unfortunately the term greenhouse gas includes a lot of various gases, but I digress. The ecocene also has the advantage of not requiring cryogenic freezing, and it can be stored in tanks for long periods of time. Something that the startup says will help it work particularly well for launch conditions from the Scottish spaceport from which the company plans to launch. Interesting. Chat thinks it's CO2 and and NOx, mostly. Probably. Probably. But we're going to shift gears over to our last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. As you already saw, there were a lot of weird stories here today. But there is one. There is one story that just makes me smile. 
for how dumb it is. This story is beautiful in a weird sort of way. Headline reads, Artist creates fake traffic jams in Google Maps with 99 phones and a wagon. What the man did was literally took a wagon, put all the phones in driving mode so that Google Maps would read it as each one being a car and just walk down the street with a wagon. So that every single GPS that uses Google Maps would detect heavy stop-and-go traffic down those streets and thus making people avoid those segments of the street. It's beautiful. I, I mean, I know the, the like if you were caught up in this and you avoided a section of street because you saw it was a giant traffic jam nightmare, you would be pissed as someone who was not caught in this. Bravo. Good, sir. Bravo. You, sir, are a troll after my own heart. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for checking into this podcast, good sir or ma'am. Please make sure to also check out our weekly podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which airs every morning at 4 a.m. wherever you found this podcast. On iTunes, on Google, on iHeartRadio, on Spreaker, on Podbean, freaking everywhere. Even on Spotify. We're on Spotify. How many people can say that? And also check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and we'll see you next time. All right, chat has a brilliant idea. We need record players to detect movement. A lot of them. And double-sided tape. This could work. Although I don't think it'd be enough movement. Maybe a treadmill. Oh, then there'd have to be really thin phones. Huh. Ooh, a big Hot Wheels track. You know, you know chat here. We're onto something. We're going to find a way to make all traffic horrible. According to Google, we're going to find the perfect hack. And then my phone just triggered the Google Assistant. <laughs>